This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek show, show number 346, recorded on March 1st, 2018. T-10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, all three engines up and burning, 2, 1, 0, and liftoff, the final liftoff of the class. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way to news, reviews, product updates, and conversation all for the Average Tech Guy. I'm your host, Jim Carlson, broadcasting live from the Average Guy TV studios in a beautiful Bellevue, Nebraska. Omaha's not bad either, Mike. Can you believe? We've had a stretch of, it's been beautiful, right? Spring is here, maybe? And the 60s on in the weekend. I've been looking forward to a weekend where I can clean out the garage, and this weekend might be at 65 degrees. I'm ready. You get, get the leaf back out and blow out the, the sand, oh, the right? Gravel and, and sand, yep. It's all that crap, Rich. Rich, you never have to worry about that down in Florida, right? You're no, not but, sand in your but weather has flipped. You know, they've had snow and hail in Redmond where we're about to go right next week. Over in Italy, they have had snow and stuff as far south as Naples. Wow. Where I used a snowball to fight wow. in the Vatican, I think. I yeah, I saw. I tweeted that picture. Yeah, it was yep. the North American College against one of the other colleges. Yeah. I think the poles are getting ready to switch. I think that's what they've been saying. <laughs> yeah. North's going to go to south, and south's going to go to north. That may take a few, a Something while to get that are. done. Lots of for for our friends in Ohio, they're doing some flooding, and we were watching severe weather going through the south part of the United States last night. I yeah. saw snow in London, which is not yep, unusual. That's true. But my sister-in-law posted a picture. Yeah, they were getting a lot of snow in London. So, of course, hopefully weather's great where you are, and hopefully you're warm as you're listening to this podcast. And, of course, we post a show with world-class show notes each week out at TheAverageGuy.tv. Don't forget, you can download our mobile app. It's absolutely free. It's out on HomeGadgetGeeks.com. Android, iPhone, both available for you, and uh, you can download that for free. Listen to the show. We want to thank LastPass for their sponsorship of that app. And, of course, best way to listen to this if you're on the road. It just works really, really well. We're live on it right now. And I don't know, but every week, a couple of you do it. So I appreciate you doing that. HomeGadgetGeeks.com. Don't forget, Mike and I will do a crypto update at the end of this program as well. We call it the post show. So if you want to hang around for the post show, you can do that if you're listening live. We are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern out here if you want to do it that way. Or, super simple, you can just reserve that with a monthly pledge of $1 a month over Patreon. You can go to theaverageguy.tv slash support. Sign up for it, a buck a month, super easy. Get you in. I provide those through Patreon. You can get the video and the audio of the post show. Mike and I have kind of committed to doing our crypto updates during that. In A little bit in the pre, most of it in the post. Get it available Again, theaverageguy.tv slash support. Well, you already heard from him, but Rich Hay is back with us tonight. Rich, of course, is a good friend of the show. He's a fellow Windows Insider MVP. You can catch everything he's doing uh, out on his blog as well as out uh, on all the other. Rich, you're all over the place. Hard to keep up with uh, you. Windowsobserver.com is the, the the personal home that I've been running for over 20 years. And with our, our big changes at work, it's itprotoday.com. Yeah. And that seems to be going well. It and is. And of course, Observe Tech is your podcast. And I think if you That's like right. this one, you'll like Observe Tech. It's like us on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> it's rich in like, I don't know, 30 minutes, 45 uh, minutes? Typically somewhere between 35 and 45 minutes. Yeah. yeah I put you on 1.5 speed and you're fast yeah. as it is. I'm fast as it is. I'm going through 25 <laughs> headlines in that time and you're going one and a half times that? Wow. Rich, sometimes. I'm not going to lie. I have to hit pause. I have to breathe yep. as, as I'm listening to you. Well, and, I've, uh, you taught me how to breathe recording a podcast because you taught me how to truncate silence and audacity, man. I can pause, have a drink of coffee, a sip right. of water, and I'll take care of that later in post. Um, good. 
Well, good, good to uh, to have you back on. We I, I do, I do oh, have fine. to comment though about the beard. Oh, I, I, I'm really that's not too bad, there, my friend. Right. Not too bad. Thank you, Uyghur. Are you going to grow one of these things or what? <laughs> Rich has got one. I got one. What about you? I can't. I, if I wish I really could, I can get a good neck beard, like from here. I get, <clears throat> I get some good hair, but no, nothing else. Well, it's okay. Don't don't worry about it. I I have Rich. I have almost shaved this thing off a dozen times, and then I look at it. And I'm like, I kind of like it. And, and so, here's the problem, though. Once you've gone a while and you're used to it being there and that you shave it off that first time, oh, no. Really? I, I could never go back to clean shaving. I can go to go to, I can go, No, it's just the look. Is, it's the same reason I won't shave my mustache. It, it, because if I get rid of my beard, which would even if I kept the mustache, it makes me look like I'm a 20-year-old. And I just, no. I, I'll, I'll keep, I love the beard. I'll go to a goatee every once in a while. But, yeah, I like and, the beard. And you've done since you got out of the Navy, you've gone long yeah. hair pretty much exclusively. Yeah, I I have. I had to cut it up, uh, cut it off at one point when it was even longer than it is now. Uh, for Best Buy, when Best Buy hired me, they had a hair policy, right? That your hair couldn't be below your shoulders. And of course, I go to work for them, and there's a kid running around with his hair in a ponytail. So anyway, well, it's <laughs> back now. It's back now. You don't have yeah. to worry about. It. You can do whatever you want. You're retired. I can. Doing great work, blogging, podcasting, lots of great stuff. You and I uh, are going to be in Seattle next week. Yes. Really cool. Dave McCabe is going to join us as well. The three of us get to As well as about 2,000 other Microsoft MVPs. Yeah. From no, around the fun, world. fun week. We'll have a bunch of stuff to talk about when we're in the end. Today, we're not going to talk about that because we're not there yet, but yep. we're going to spend a bunch of time talking about Windows. For anybody that's been following Rich, you know that we're in the Redstone 4 era and we're pretty much to the end of the development. I say pretty much because you never yeah. really know what Microsoft's going to throw in at the end. All of a sudden, you're kind of like, hey, we should have this wrapped up. And then all of a sudden, with two weeks to go or whatever, release. Let's, Rich, tell us uh, from a timeline perspective. Here we are. It's March 1st, right? We are in the month. No, we're not in the month. Yeah, we are. Month, right? Well, yeah. it's going to be named 1803 for the month, but we probably Correct. won't see it till April. Talk a little uh, bit about the Yeah. It, the way Microsoft is, believe it or not, this update that's getting ready to be released is the fifth feature update for Windows 10 since it got released a little less than two and a half years ago. So what Microsoft does is we're kind of in that final stage. So was it last week? I think we got two fast ring builds last week um, or maybe it was this week. Gosh, I can't even remember. I had, um, I had two waiting for me. I haven't done anything. Had, okay. So I think, so, I think you're right. so they, um, the latest release is 17110, I think. Yeah. And then they had previously released 17107, I think it was. So for fairly quick update a couple of days later. But what they do, they're at the point now that they're really working on stabilizing the code. So slowly removing the debugging code out of it, stabilizing the build, because the plan will be, if it fits in with history, is they'll finalize that build this month. And then in April on Patch Tuesday, which is the 10th of April, they should make it generally available, or at least in their staggered rollout and their staged rollout that they always do. So they'll send it out to known devices, known hardware first, and watch it, monitor it, and see what happens as it comes out. So I don't think we're going to see new features. I think we're kind of locked in with the feature set, which unfortunately that means we're not going to see the cloud clipboard that they initially promised last year at Build. Two times ago, right? Two updates ago? Uh, would be the fall creators update. And then originally we heard it was going to be fall creators update and that and timeline neither made it into, into fall creators update. Now timeline is going to make it into this release and it doesn't have a fancy name, right? It, 
they it timelines that the, ability to track what you're doing on uh, from other devices. Device. Yeah, it's it's a great tool. I I love it. I've got it working across three devices right now, and it's just awesome. It shows you about a month's worth of history, so you can go backwards and find stuff you were working on on different devices or the same device. It, you know, it shares it across them all, and you have complete control of that. Everybody kind of freaked about the privacy issue, but Windows 10 has good privacy controls. You can manage it, and you can tweak that as much as you want. So, um, and then the other thing they did last week is they activated their skip ahead, or a week and a half ago, they activated their skip ahead branch. And what skip ahead does, and not everybody can get into skip ahead. They have a limited number of these folks spots because skip ahead allows you to kind of skip the stabilization builds for redstone four and start looking at the fall update whatever it's going to be called the targeted september so they've released one build for that so far i think it's 17604 or something like that what i get from you listening to your podcast is it might be worth it if you want to get on the skip ahead to just try so go out there even though it says it's full, right that's right? correct yep they because they did share um you might when you set your Thing to skip ahead it's going to warn you and say skip ahead's full but they the way i understood they kind of reactivated is they did not open it back up but if slots open up you might slide in so i'm currently on a one device that's on skip ahead uh it's the lenovo x1 yoga but i'm still getting that warning that skip ahead's full but i had but it let me download that skip ahead build yeah I'm kind of waiting for the next skip ahead build to see if it finds it and goes. The, to me, I'll be comfortable then that I'm in skip ahead on that one. But yeah. I'm running um, HP Spectre X360 and Sur original Surface Book are both running bare metal uh, fast ring right now. And it's kind of weird. They haven't released a slow ring this cycle since October. October or November 1st was officially the date they made it right. slow ring. It was build 17025. So it's kind of straight. And that's the last ISO that's out there too. Right. And I understand from what I gathered on Twitter um, is that there's some install issues. So they're waiting for one of these current builds to kind of show stable. And then they'll probably make that slow ring. It could be though. Slow ring gets updated almost at the same time that we see a release, it's, right? It's possible. I mean, they, they don't make any specific commitment to when anything's going to go fast or when it's going to go slow ring or anything like that. So yeah, I think, I'm I think we've learned, I think Microsoft after last year at build, when they told us all about cloud clipboard and timeline and said fall creators update, and then it didn't ship. And then of course the press was the, you know, the, the writing was cut, 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 or doesn't make, you know, that all that type of negativity where people don't windows 10 is a constant development project. I mean, they were adding new stuff last month into it, and here we're about a month and a half away from getting the final version. So it's a constant work in progress. Yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty big risk to announce too far in advance, right? Yep. And so you're in this weird world where people want to know it's coming, so they know how to develop to it, but yep. you're not sure you're going to have it ready. Yep. I, and I think you know, Ken, it's in the chat room. Is Neon coming on this one? I haven't been keeping up. Uh, this neon. Time. What what's neon? Well, and I don't know either. But and this is the point I, uh, the, that I want. He says he haven't been keeping up. I think it's been really hard for everybody except those who are writing about it or those who are tracking it or the super crazy enthusiasts to keep yeah. up. It yeah. has been an incredible pace, and I think we always kind of thought like, well, it'll slow down eventually. No, I think it's actually gotten faster. Yeah, fast. I mean. They are cranking on these builds. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's just, just the last time I wrote, and since the last time, I think since the last time I was on the show, which I think was last year, but I wrote about this over the holidays and proposed, my thought is 
should Microsoft stop giving two updates a year? Should they move to one? You know, they recently extended six months for their enterprise customers uh, coverage of the uh, they had extended the November update that expires next month. And then the, the so it would be the anniversary update, the creators update and the fall creators update. Those three all got six month extensions as well to help consumer or uh, commercial customers have a little more time to do their feature update to feature update migrations. So I even think Microsoft is trying to slow that clock down a little bit and and extend it, uh, give people a little more time. I wouldn't be surprised to see them go to one build a year. Think about it. So you could still develop like you're doing now, right, with insiders, but you actually get more time to work on stabilization alongside of releasing new features. So it just extends things. I don't know if they will. They love releasing updates to Office 365 every month. You know, every tool seems to get updated every month now. So I, I don't know if that's where they'll go, but there are some indicators out there that seems like they want to stretch those things out a little bit more instead of being so fast. You know, they could almost take, so leave the fast ring as it is, because I think there are people right. who just love to be on that. Oh, yeah. Instead of the slow ring, and I, and I think they had intended the slow ring to kind of be a month behind or maybe 45 or take, days yeah. or 60. No, no set limit. I'm just kind of thinking about right. how it had been. Move that slow ring back to the twice annual, like that becomes the twice annual release. And then only have everybody for the public gets it once a year. I mean, if we're going to go that route, right? I think that's a pretty nice way of, yeah. you know, because then you can, you can still have that twice a year if you want it. You can have a once a year if you want it, or you could have bleeding, you know, kind of bleeding edge. If you well, want well, commercial customers have an option. They can skip, they can go 18 months without taking a feature update. And with two feature updates released a year, that means they could, for instance, take last year's fall creators update and they would not have to take and migrate to a new feature update until next spring. Consumers were on the fast channel there as far as upgrades, because we don't have those same. We can't go back and run the anniversary update. We got that upgrade within six months, typically, of the release. So the consumer side, they're pushing quick to the next feature update. The big problem with the rings, fast ring is actually a much smaller number of people than slow ring is. So when they release a build a slow ring, they actually bump up the amount of telemetry they get, the variety of systems they get to, to see what's going on with Windows 10 and that, that current build. So it, it's a delicate balance, you know, and... I, I know they want to keep it at this kind. They love that pace. They love this kind of constant innovation thing. But it, I, I gotta. The more time I've now spent and focused on enterprise and not consumer stuff with the new job, with the way the job has changed, enterprises don't want to be pushing that upgrade button that often. They really don't. No, they so don't. Now they with don't. two years, guess what? Two years is a reasonable amount of time between feature update upgrades. Yeah. It's so, still hard at two years. I mean, I, I, well, it used to be three, and they still used to wait another year for the first service pack. So we're really fast at Gallup. Yeah. And we would struggle with every two. I mean, it in the enterprise, you just get it stable. It, it, it's it's amazing. Those guys, you worked in the, you know, you were on the geek squad. You know, I mean, think of that multiplied and you're trying to get everybody on the same hardware, on the same software version so that you can just support that thing efficiently. Yeah. Because yeah, I tell people, you, what, you know, people upgraded to fall creators update pretty quick. 85% yeah. the numbers were last month. 85% of Windows 10 systems are running the fall creators update. Yeah. So but that may have been. 
that may have been a bunch of people all upgrading all at the same time to get yeah. right to get to that level. Yep. Because and, if you were on anniversary update, for instance, version 1511, the November update from the first fall that it was out in 2015, it might have been the right cycle for the upgrade. I saw a number, uh, Brad Anderson, who runs the cloud stuff for Microsoft. And the, uh, so the Windows commercial and all that falls under him. He tweeted out a infographic that showed since January 4th, once every 0.98 seconds, a Windows 7 to Windows 10 upgrade was happening in the commercial business. That Ed Bot did the math real quick for that month. And it was 35 million upgrades in that month and a half at that pace. And it's getting faster. Well, the enterprise has got to get off Windows 7. Like we can't, it's getting, I mean, Less it's getting dangerous. Two years, January yeah, it's, 2020. It's, it's getting dangerous for them out there and, and they just need to move. By the way, uh, Project Neon was the Fluent Design. Oh, uh, Fluent Design. So there's a lot more Fluent Design in the current fastering builds. Uh, a lot of the apps have picked up the Fluent Design stuff. Uh, I, You know, the Windows Settings app for it. So it, it's there's transparency and this type of fluency and stuff. I think it's still a hodgepodge of stuff. You'll see some that don't have anything. You'll see some that have a lot and you'll see some right in the middle. Do you yeah, think, Neon, yeah. Rich, do you think, uh, so for the average consumer, uh, for the guys and gals who are listening to this podcast right now, is we think about this upgrade. Your listeners here. are not average consumers. Come on. <laughs> Come on, I, I got a hold of the brand, They're Rich. <laughs> do they, do they, is this an upgrade we just move on to? I mean, are, are we to that point, do you think, come April, whatever, fill in the blank, whatever well, the day is? on April upgrading. 10th, I will be right. upgrading every one of my devices. Yeah. I, I made this comment the other day. I, I want timeline on all my devices. I, you know, everybody right now has access to this feature from Cortana that's called uh, pick up where you left off. Yeah, or, and that, it right, always reminds it me. It pops mm -hmm. up in the action center as a little notice. If, you, if you're within so many minutes of being on one device, moving to an, I don't know what that window is, but if you've been on a recent device and you log in to another device, those things are floated up into the action center. It says, hey, you were just doing this stuff on whatever device. Do you want to continue? So you could click it and boom, you're going to the web. Think of timeline as that on steroids, big time searchable, chronological. Uh, it gives us, it shows the most visited pages in the overall summary, but then you can drill down and see everything. So you can scroll through everything and it. There's great info cards, so it's graphics. So you see images, app developers can add their apps into this ecosystem so that their stuff appears there. And you know, uh, Earthram View, right? Recently added several months ago to the store finally it takes advantage of timeline. So if I edit an image on in Earthram view on one device, it shows up on another device in timeline. So it, I think timeline is just like a killer feature. Um, I'd like to get the cloud clipboard as part of that. Maybe we'll see that in Redstone 5 in the fall update that we're going to start seeing more updates on. But timeline is just awesome. And it like I said, it takes that Cortana thing and just blows it out of the water. Yeah. No, it makes it pretty good. Here's the important question, Mike. You're outside of this paying attention in your Windows. First of all, do you have a Windows box you're going to upgrade right away? And would you, if you are more in the ecosystem, are you, from from your perspective, you going to just upgrade come April? 
Yeah, yeah, I do. I so I have one, two. I have three Windows machines in the house, which is actually funny more than uh, the Mac <laughs> machines that I have. My daily driver is still my MacBook, uh, which is what I'm using like podcasts when I take around. But everything else I monitor is uh, on Windows. And yeah, I usually try and upgrade those right away, mainly because uh, for me it's not mission critical if those were to go down. Um, Plex server, security cam server, a lot of those are just machines that are doing tasks around the house, not something I use every day. So yeah, I try and keep those up to date. And then too, it helps out because if something like my security camera system system does crash, I can be one of the first ones to report it, you know, help them out and that sort of stuff. So yeah. I think I'm actually in the fast ring on my security camera footage machine. Oh, cool. So I, I'm so I proud of you, Mike. I, might. I, know, I, I am so yeah. proud of you. Remember when I first met you? And, oh, I know, right? Like it was all Mac and now I've got a two Dell servers and Optiplex. Look, that's and, awesome. Look what hey. I have done. And, and guess what arrives on my doorstep tomorrow afternoon? Mm. A Chromebook. Oh, really? <laughs> now, is this a review For, unit or what? It, the... it is. It's gonna. It's gonna be a unit that I will use to be become familiar with Chrome OS and and that ecosystem because that's part of my beat now under the, with the new site. Yeah. Last year, so last update seventeen oh nine, right? Yep. Fall creators um, update. Fall creators update. I, you know, I updated that and it broke the, the, the my ability to run two GPUs at the same time. And of course, I'm mining mm-hmm. that box. And I thought it was something wrong with the update. Well, is that a driver issue? It, you know, I still didn't pin it down, but recently I was having some Windows problems. And so I just reinstalled from scratch. I had been doing some burst work and I pulled a USB and nothing was ever the same after that. I couldn't get it to boot properly. And so I ended up taking that image and just doing a complete, you know, going into the Windows settings and doing a complete restore, yep. uh, kind of taking it back to the Stone Age. I took all, you know, I had to go pull the files back in and that stuff, but it fixed my GPU problem. So same, even though I'd updated from from uh, 1703 to 1709, it didn't work. I took it back to 1703. Then I went to 1709 again, oh, a month or two later to see if that would work. It still wasn't. Had those problems redid the update and boom they worked i, yep. I kind of thought oh i wonder if this would make those gpus work and right out of the shoot they were fine so something was kind of all jammed up in the old image yep. then it got kind of cleaned up so that's probably not you know if i i would think rich if you had an image that's maybe two or three years old if you had a windows 10 image that you've just been upgrading and upgrading and upgrading and upgrading this may not be a bad time to upgrade and then re- blow it away and start over don't you think yeah i mean you know one thing with with windows 10 is they make that process very easy it's built into the os now before you have to worry about getting a usb drive and making a bootable and getting the image on there and we can still do those kind of installs clean installs but the reset process that's part of windows 10 you remember there was a time they were calling it restore reset and there was a lot of it's just reset now and it gives you two options keep my files but it'll give you remove all the settings or you can just blast away everything and just get a clean OS. And uh, some people will, will argue with me and tell me, well, that's technically not a clean install. Well, actually, technically it is because if you choose nothing, they're not migrating. You're still going to have that windows.old folder. That's the old install. That's a backup. That's a just in case we have any issues. And it, it, Windows 10 is solid at recovering from an error. I'm currently on a... Uh, uh, HP Elite One 1000 Business PC All-in-One. 
it's a uh, it's got a 34 inch curved screen on it, which I am absolutely falling in love with. <laughs> and it, but I tried to upgrade it this week. To, I said, "What the heck? I'm going to put 17110 on it." And it it green screened twice due to a driver issue, but it rolled right back to where I was. I didn't lose anything. I had everything there exactly the way I'd left it. So reset can be very handy to kind of just get back to that point of a fresh clean start and it usually will fix some things i've got a device that the fingerprint reader will never work on an upgrade to upgrade but a clean install it's there so it, it you know there's some essential uh, you know there's some weird things that happen when it comes to windows um i, I it's interesting i recently worked on a story for work about business security and approaches and thoughts and ideas and i talked to cisos and i talked to anal analysis and i talked to uh chief strategy officers and all these these kind and i one guy i talked to was a patch first patch often you know there's so many people with windows that take the approach of well i'm going to wait to apply those patches uh, there, there's a very well-known name in tech writing that is on social media very regularly on the Monday before Patch Tuesday telling everybody to turn off Windows Update because Patch Tuesday is about to happen. But the conversation I had with this guy about patching early, patching often is unfortunately when things go south, they get the headlines. And he is of the mind and has seen the data that it actually it's a very small percentage of devices that really have any issues when it comes to either line of business apps because enterprises will tell you, I can't move that quick because I got to test my line of business app or I got to test this or I got to test that, which is true. And you should, that's why you should have a little test network in your IT department or something, right? So you're testing these new builds right alongside your normal and your normal package. So you can try it out. But you know, he's of the mind that these, these issues are minor in comparison to the risk of not putting a patch on because he said they have evidence of the that the moment patch Tuesday happens, those patches are being reverse engineered to identify the exploit and how to use the exploit. He said, if you're waiting to patch, you're in deep kimchi because you're the, the, the exploit may not be active at the moment of patch Tuesday, but the moment they're out there, they're banking it. Yeah. So yeah. smarter to just patch and deal I think at the home level, I think you and you oh, talk yeah. about this on your show all the time. I think it, at home, it's super smart to to kind of think through that and make sure you're you know you're staying up to date. Yep, uh, Rich. When we think about uh, Redstone Five, we talked about the skip ahead here a second ago. Yep. What are you as we look ahead to Redstone Five? Anything that stands out to you? It, Microsoft has not talked a lot about what's coming. No, so not at all. We we hey. don't know a lot of things, but anything in the wind? Uh, well. Like I, I want to go back to cloud clipboard. That was something that was promised at Build last year in May in Seattle. Um, so I think I'm hoping that we will see cloud clipboard show its face because I think they've got the the pieces in place alongside a timeline and that whole Cortana thing of being able to sync those those. Cloud clipboard is basically if I take and copy something to the clipboard on one device. It will be available on other devices for easy access. Now, that, there's a lot of value to that, in my opinion, especially if you work on multiple machines. Um, the other one is sets. Sets, they actually tried out in Redstone 4. Remember, a couple builds had sets, and sets is a feature where you have a window in the middle of the screen, and your, your UWP app or your Edge browser has the ability to have multiple tabs, kind of like your web browsing, except that that tab has got Word in it or that tab has got Mail in it or that tab has got uh, 
whatever app in it and allows you to work within one window through the different tabs. So if you're a browser and you like you like a web browser and you work across multiple tabs, sets is that same concept, except now it's it's applications in there and programs, not just the browser. Yeah. So I think sets will make it show back in Redstone 5. They wanted some more time. Remember, they released that to a very limited audience. They did a really weird A-B test thing and ultimately decided not to put it in Redstone 4 because it was, and it was, it was horrible. It had a horrible interface. It looked ugly. And so they got to do more work on that, no doubt. And there's a company that's already making now. What's the name of that? Stardock. Stardock, Stardock. Made, Stardock has got a program, and I forget what it's called, um, that will basically turn Win32 apps into that. For instance, File Explorer. You can get tabs in File Explorer, which is something everybody wants. Yeah. So yeah. that makes sense. It should be coming pretty quick, I would think, to have yeah, that because that would well, be nice. Two. Outside of that, you know, you have to look if you look back at all the previous feature updates, they're always tweaking security. So I would expect that to continue. Um, there, I think they just this last build, they actually released some scripting assistance for enterprises doing upgrades to where you can now run scripts synchronously with an upgrade instead of having to run them afterwards. So you can actually do some things during the upgrade process to improve that. Um, and, and maybe at build in May, we'll, we'll get some more because we get the release. This will be out in April on patch Tuesday, fully expected to be start its general availability on patch Tuesday on April 10th. And then three weeks later, we're in Seattle for build 2018. And again, I don't think you're going to find Joe Belfiore on stage saying this is coming in the fall. I think Microsoft has learned their lesson there and they're not going to commit to a specific feature update, but they may show us new features they're working on. Mm -hmm. All right. This is the real test. Mike Weger. Have you, do you just run any windows apps? Okay. When we <laughs> like, you know, you, yes, you run windows, which is awesome, but are you right. going to the windows store for anything? Are you running any apps from no. the store? Nope. None. Yeah. Rich. It's a little like I use the, I use the mail app that's out there. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's a decent app. It's gotten a lot better. Yeah, yeah. And, and I still use photos or I not, not photos, but paint. I still use paint from time to time. Now paint 3d I'll, I'll need to make the switch and there's a calendar and a mail app and some of those kinds yep. of things. But that's one of the areas I am not seeing any, I know Microsoft works on these things and I know they're releasing new versions of them, Yeah, but rich, I'm just getting the sense there isn't a lot of traction from the apps that are there. I mean, everybody's, when Mike and I are crypto mining and we're doing, we're, we're downloading wallets. There's still, there's still 32 bit apps that we're, you know, that we're using yep. or side in this, in this case, kind of side loading, right? That's the way Microsoft would see it today. I just not seeing a lot of stuff come up in the store. Would you agree or disagree with? Um, well, I, I, unfortunately I'm not your typical case, right? Because of the nature of the beast, the nature of what I do, I actually run quite a few apps out of the store. I mean, I've now moved over to Erfram view, which is a great, uh, editing, image editing and handling program. Uh, it does batch conversions, which I use when I'm writing stories because I can convert the images to certain, all of them at one time. Uh, Paint.net, which was actually developed off an intern project many, many years ago at Microsoft. So I run those out of the store now, but there are desktop versions of those programs, but I like running them out of the store. Uh, Office. That became available for everybody. Office 365 is now available in the store, although the update process for me has been frustrating. So I've actually moved back to the desktop version of that on several devices because they get stuck, it seems. It just seems like it gets stuck in the store. So the store certainly, it, it, 
Microsoft doesn't release data on the app and app usage. Developers get a picture of what how much their apps are being downloaded and things of that nature. So um, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 I, if I had to guess on your everyday user, I'll use my wife as the example for that. She's on the latest version of Windows 10. I, I have her set up on her desktop with her very specific icons and all her stuff, but she doesn't use anything from the desktop because that's just not the way she uses her computer. Is she a Chrome user? She is not. She uses Edge purely. Oh, I don't wow. put Chrome on her machine. Oh, wow. Now that's kind of unusual. I mean, I think. Really? Yeah, I think so. No. Mike, what are, you, what are you using for a browser? Oh, totally. Yeah. Chrome on all of them. And oh, now I use all I use Chrome, Firefox, Edge. I've got them all. I don't on know. There. But I think, Rich, the average users on Chrome. Yeah, Today. most likely the stats yeah. that they just released the stats from the net market share stats that always come out on the first of the month. Sixty one percent of their visitors were using Chrome. And Although, I think it's interesting, too, because the App Store problem is a problem on Mac, too. I have yeah. never opened up the App Store on the Mac, um, except for to run updates for the operating system and to grab apps that Apple creates. I'm I'm still a... Uh, wow, I'm, I haven't used it in forever. Final Cut <laughs> user. Okay. So updating Final Cut, those sort of apps. But besides that, I don't do anything through the App Store. I'm always going to grab in the desktop version. Yeah. yeah. So to give you an idea... Apple locks it down. They don't give you full-featured apps they restrict what apps can do yeah the app store and microsoft just announced at one of their community stand-up for devs this most recent one they had is they're actually going to open up the ability of uwp apps which used to be in a sandbox that now and this makes sense now because if you've been watching development they have added some privacy features into um windows 10 settings in the privacy uh book settings that you can actually give permission to apps specifically to access documents, pictures, videos. Well, UWP developers are going to be able to open up and access the main file system of an o of the OS, of the host system, instead of just a sandboxed version, you know, version of things. So they, I think they're starting to spread that out and maybe adapt some Win32-ish type things for these UWP apps and give them more capabilities across the OS as opposed to just being locked in. Tony in the chat room says on a Surface Pro 4, after a bit of uh, touch, uh, use of touch, it won't work anymore in Chrome, but it'll That's work everywhere Chrome's else. Problem. And then it will uh, restart. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's big. It's a big. Yeah, it eats it up. I, I, I've really tuned into using Firefox. I, I probably use Firefox about 75% of the time now. Wow. Although Edge is my default. For work, Firefox is my like 75, 80%. Um, edge is doing much better, although we only get updates to edge when there's a feature update. So that's, you know, we don't get updates to it as often as we do Chrome and Firefox. Chrome's recent update has gotten better. The one they released with the ad blocking stuff, but you know, Chrome still has its issues with wanting to hoard memory and that will eventually cause issues on the system. So, it, it, you know, we, we deal with doing the touch, you know, having to reboot because touch stopped working or something like that. Mike, are are you? What's your full time browser for the most part? Chrome on all, mainly just because I can sign in and have everything sync across. No matter if I'm on a Mac or whatever it is, I use that. But you can do that on Firefox. <laughs> well, I probably could. I've just gotten used to using Chrome. <laughs> Extensions are all there. Gotcha. But yep. the issues I've been running into recently are actually uh, hardware based. I don't think it has anything to do with software. But I'm kind of wondering when. So I got got a new job. 
And when I went there, they issued me a laptop, obviously, and it was a new laptop. And I went to go dock it. And he came actually, he came down because they had me on a desktop. And then they were like, oh, your laptop's coming. We'll, we'll get you on it. So they come down and I'm ready to dock it. Like I've docked my old computer thousands of times at my old job. And this is a USB-C dock. So they switched and it's not no longer, I don't know what the port's called underneath the laptop that you would dock it in. Um, nothing but problems with the Dell branded USB-C dock. Uh, there's a lot of issues. And if you go online, I mean, the ratings are terrible for this Dell dock and it's one, I don't know if they just, if it's kind of their first iteration, and it's going to get better, but you have to plug things in a certain order or else your monitors won't work. Uh, Cause it'll assign the bandwidth to the USB ports instead of to, if you have dual monitors, all sorts of issues. And I'm just, it's kind of interesting that you switched so quickly um, on this Dell laptop. The USB C is the only connector for the dock. They no longer have the underside dock option. Um, it's just interesting that they moved so fast to that without having the technology really locked down because docking is something that, I mean, corporations all over the world use. It's something that should be standard, easy, no problems, just something that works right out of the box. Uh, so it's interesting that there, that there've been so many issues. I don't know if it's a Dell thing. I don't know if it's a USB type C thing. I don't think so. Cause type C seems to have the bandwidth for everything. So maybe it's the, the docks. It's just interesting. Have you guys experienced that at all with those type of docks? No, I don't Rich, use docks. Do you, I was going to okay. say, Rich, do you, are you I a dock guy? Okay. Um, you know, I've been working with, uh, with Dwayne out at, um, the other Dwayne out at Targus Canada, uh, good, good has become a really good contact through Aaron Lawrence, who's come on uh, and, and talked about that. You know, they've been, they are the ones when we talk about the backpacks, they have some really sweet backpack gear, but they also have a dock. And Dwayne asked me today, he's like, Hey, do you want to test that for me? I'm like, yes. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so we may get an opportunity. What there. style of dock? Uh, it's going to be, it'll have to be USB three dock. USB three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It'd have to be for me to, I, I want to use it at work. Yep. And so it'll have to be for me to, to be able to get that today. You know, I go into work and I have a plastic, uh, you know, um, you know, ramp, what are we calling this thing? It's the, the, oh, the laptop yeah. sits on the stand. Right. Yeah. And then I, you know, uh, USB three, USB three video <laughs> uh, network, you know, those all get plugged in. Okay, and so you do do that manually every time. I do. And Gallup won't, doesn't provide docs. Uh, I guess okay. if I pushed hard enough, they would probably give me one. But I've been like, eh, we'll make this work. If I get this Targus uh, dock in, I'll give it a try. I think they're I think they're great options. But, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, sometimes we run into those compatibility issues. Uh, you're, Mike, but you said you're pretty much Chrome at this point, right? Uh, yes. Because yeah. it's just the simplicity of that. Rich, I've tried to make that jump to Edge. And I still kind of keep coming back to Chrome just because it's familiar. And I can't I can't even think about moving over to Firefox. And I do not know why. It's a great browser. It's an awesome it's browser. New version. I mean, there's a lot of great things about it. I just can't seem to get traction in my mind about it. Mm. And I wonder why that is. Like, why is Chrome's browse why is their branding so strong with me that I won't I won't move it, right? It's got extensions, right? So I could do LastPass yep. and all those yep. other things that I do in it. It's got all security. It's just as fast. I think all the browsers add my extensions. So if I when I install Firefox on another device and log in with the account, here comes my LastPass. Here comes my ad blocker. So it, it takes. I don't use a ton of extensions, and it's the same thing with Edge. I do have Edge as my default browser on all my devices. And there's been some challenges through Redstone 4 testing where sometimes you click a link and it wouldn't open up and you'd have to, I'd have to throw it over in the, what do you call that? Um, uh, set aside, set aside the tab and then reopen it and it would open. So it's just kind of weird stuff that, but 
you know, everything's settling in now, but I don't know. I, I like edge. I want edge to, I want to use edge as much as possible, but I occasionally with my works back end, I have to use Firefox or Chrome. Firefox works just as well as Chrome does most of the time, but I don't know. It, I, no, it's just, it's interesting. I just like, I don't want to leave. <laughs> you yeah, know, I've no. thought like it, it was easy for me to go. I was, I was an IE user back before yeah. or Chrome. And then as soon as Chrome came along, it was so easy to make that jump over to Chrome. Like it was a new thing. And yep. then all of a sudden it just took over. There were Firefox has always kind of been in and out, but I, it's weird that I'm just kind of, I don't know. I'm just kind of yeah. there. Rich, just make a jump to hardware because you've all gotten right. your hands on some good hardware uh, uh, of late. You mentioned the curve. Let's talk a little bit about what you've got on your desktop. Oh, yeah. There. this You know, it's a business it. PC from HP called the Elite One 1000. Uh, it's you know, when I worked at Best Buy and I sold computers, the people who typically wanted to buy all-in-ones were were older people that just wanted a simple one-piece thing to be in one place and not move it around. They never wanted to move it from where it was, right? Or so they weren't interested in a laptop. Uh, but there were some hazards with all-in-ones. All-in-one. So if one element of the device broke, you if you weren't under if you were under warranty, you get it fixed. You'd be without your device for a while, but you get it fixed. But if you were out of warranty, there was no user upgradable elements. And businesses don't like devices that can't cycle through a few different life cycles, right? By doing either a simple hardware upgrade or something like that. Well, the the HP One or the HP Elite One One Thousand, I can actually swap out the monitor from the base. I can upgrade the hard drive. I can upgrade the memory. So it's got user upgradable elements. It's built for business because it's got uh, the Skype controls on the front. So there's a there's a heads a handset for the making a phone call, for muting, for muting the camera. It's got this. I'm using the Logitech Brio right now because unfortunately the two megapixel camera that comes on this thing is horrible, but it's good for you know doing video conferencing. Yeah. But it's a pop out, so you push the top of the monitor and it pops out, and it's a modular, so you can actually swap that out if it breaks. Uh, it's got a fingerprint reader on the right hand side of the base. It's got a volume control, touch-based volume control slider down here. So it's built for business. And if I don't want the 34-inch curved monitor on it, I can get one of their other monitors and swap it out to, with the base. So you're not tied to that configuration. It's got all kinds of ports off of it. So you can plug in peripherals. You can plug in external devices for video and things like that. So the this this Elite One 1000, I'm in love with the screen. It's an I, it's a, I think it's a, it may be a quad-core i5, but it's a beautiful screen. Uh, you know, it's not crazy 4K resolution or anything like that, but I love the space. I'm a dual monitor guy, and on my main desktop, I'm dual monitors, and I never thought I could move from dual monitors, but I've got you open in the middle of the screen here. I've got the chat on the left-hand side. I have Twitter up in this right-hand corner, and I have our, our notes in the bottom right-hand corner. When I record my podcast, I have OneNote, I have Audacity, and I have a browser window open so I can move around. And I could actually live on a 34-inch curved monitor, yeah. get rid of my dual monitors. No, it it does. I've seen those. And in fact, oh, uh, every time we were really we, nice ones. we would go to a meetup, I would go, we'd go to the Microsoft store, you know, in Indianapolis, and they would oh, always yeah. have a nice curved monitor. I would sit down and play the one of the games on there, which is they're yep. just beautiful. And I do think it's not as wide as, say, two 24-inch monitors Correct. put together, right? You're just right. You're not going to get that width. But it's really, really elegant. 
and it oh, just, I think so. Yeah, it just looks super nice, and so yep. I, it, it makes sense when I've I've heard you talk about it on your podcast. You've mentioned this several times, and I'm like, yeah, that's I'm podcasting on it. I've plugged in my soundboards to it through my USB interface, and I'm podcasting on it. So it's 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 sitting on the desk where my podcaster is, so it's in the way anyway. Yeah. So I'm using it for my podcasting, and you know, it's not a system that's made for running heavy duty graphics games. It's not made for heavy-duty video editing or something like that. It's made for somebody in business who needs to do word processing, email, web browsing, line of business apps, and things like that. But uh, it, for me, it, the big bonus of this device is its ability to swap out the monitor. So if the monitor dies, I just get a replacement monitor and keep the base. If I want to upgrade the hard drive, I can. If I want to add more memory, I can. On old-school all-in-ones, you couldn't do that. And so that's the big difference with this Elite One is the ability to do user-based upgrades to the hardware. And it's and, super good looking. Like I'm taking a look at this now. This is not your standard all-in-one. Are you, you think, yeah. When you think of an all-in-one, this very is not sleek, what I pictured. Very sleek base. Like it. I like uh, it it's, it's dark color with a chrome stand for the monitor. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of angled slightly, but it's got all those great controls right on the front. And you, I've got a headphone jack over here on the right. And like I said, it's Windows Hello compatible with the camera. Mm -hmm. It's the fingerprint reader on the right side for Windows Hello. Plenty of ports on the back. It really is a nice device. Because I'm used to all-in-one because I used to have an iMac. That was a, I was a yeah. big iMac user, and I, and I really liked it. And on the Windows side, though, there just wasn't something like that was really like that until now. I had not seen this computer. That's a, yeah. Yeah, it's Mike, a what's nice. the retail on that? You um, see so what you're looking at? This one is like, so for the 34-inch, um, you quad core i5, eight gigs of RAM, looking at 1600. Yep. Okay. And yep. for a business, that's a decent investment because this is a system with the, with the ability to do those, in, those internal upgrades. And if a monitor dies, swapping out the monitor without having to give up the whole system, it really is quite flexible for a business. Well, and for is that it, price, you're getting that huge curved monitor. Yep. That's, that's having that included. I mean, some of those costs, some of those big, now granted, the graphics on this is not, some of the high-end stuff you can get right but it is for what i for what i do on it and what most businesses would do on it it's perfect but it's beautiful looking right when you're looking it at the screen really nice yeah, yeah. don't understand no 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 yeah. I, I i love the space i never thought i could use any less than two monitors and i just love the space and i love the now i think windows 10 needs to do some catching up i you know right now you can't snap three columns Right. Apps and you can right. only do side by side and then slide the middle. Try to do this right here. Okay. Right. So I've got this is a monitor. You have to manually got, do that. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. I tried. Yeah. I thought, okay, I'll just raise it to the top and snap them. No, it doesn't nope. snap that way nope. when you have it in, in the, in the, uh, what they call this portrait mode, right? Yeah. That, that we have right here. So this is that 24 inch touch screen. That's 10 points of touch that mm -hmm. I bought to put in the kitchen. We, um, we're getting ready to paint the kitchen and we're going to sell the house. And I didn't want to sell it with a computer set yeah. on the wall. So I brought it down here. I thought I'd set it up. Yeah. You get all kinds of weird when you put it in portrait mode. Now there's some things that don't work anymore. So you're right. Things right. need to catch up a little bit. I want to snap it to the top, snap it to the bottom. No. Won't do it in portrait mode. Now it will do side by side in, in landscape mode, but it will only do one window on the left, one window on the right, full screen, right? So full half screens, or you can snap to the, if your screen is large enough, you can snap to the corners and have four apps in four corners and fill the screen. But we, we need the ability. I would love to be able to have a column here, a column down the middle and a column because my screen's big enough to support it. So, and I want to say in Windows 8, there was that capability 
to have three columns snapped. Um, but in Windows 10, it's not there. Now, we've the feedback's in the feedback hub. I mentioned it to one of the Microsoft community champions, and she said, yep, yep, we're hearing that. We, we, we've got it. So they know that this, as the as wider screens develop as a norm, they've got to add that capability to Windows 10. Otherwise, you're manually moving stuff around. I was going to say, yeah, you can fun. still manually yeah. move them. Oh, yeah, uh, I, easily. Yep. Yeah. And that's, you know, I've kind of got that. I have a two-monitor set up here, and I've got two two pages open here and then like a browser almost full but then the chat room you know chat room's really skinny mm -hmm. so we put the chat room down the side and that allows me to have four separate windows on this dual screen monitor um uh, ken, in, ken in the chat room was asking about the wide aspect yeah uh setting and so right now this thing defaults uh let me open the display settings up to the to the resolution is what you're is yeah what you're, that's what, what you're looking for. Well, I'm having one of those weird Windows 10 moments. <laughs> Sometimes it can be that way. Mike, would you as you're looking at this while Rich is looking that up? Would this be would would you put this on your desk? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, for my this would be what I would use at work. I think like like he just said, this would be a perfect work computer. Yeah. I'm even thinking, you know, graphic designers don't need like gaming graphics, but a nice monitor all in one. I think this would be great for graphic designers who are on Windows. Yeah, working on 2D images, I would imagine it would be okay. Yeah. I wouldn't try to do heavy duty video on it no. because it doesn't. The it's got onboard graphics, so I think it uses the Intel 620 or something like right. that. Right. Uh, the resolution, the the default native resolution on this is 3440 by 1440. Okay. So not not 4K. Um, I guess that would be 2K. I'm not sure. But I, again, I just for the heck of it, even though it ran horribly on it, um, and I, I've kind of recently got into PUBG, Players Unknown Battlegrounds. I was into that for and uh, <laughs> so this could never become my main desktop because it's not strong enough. I've got an AMD 8-core you know, with 32 gig of RAM that over there that does all my, that I do my gaming on. And, uh, but, but it is, it, it, first time I powered this thing up and I, it, it kind of, it felt like I was looking in a fishbowl because you, everything is just right there in front of me. And I, my eyesight is such that when I'm this far away from a monitor, I don't have to wear my glasses. Otherwise I'd be looking like this all the time. But um, it, it is, it, it really is nice to have this real estate and the ability to put so many different windows all at once. Uh, you know, open your, you, the web is built for column based viewing, right? Everything's centered down the middle typically. So, you know, you have to kind of work on your sizes, but I use next gen reader, right? To read my RSS feeds. And that thing just looks awesome spread across this big screen. Yeah, no, it does. It does look good. So, Rich, you're not a, you game more on PC than you do on Xbox. Cause I see, yeah. I, we're friends on Xbox. I see you're yeah. on there every once in a while. I, I and I am. We, we use the Xbox. That it brings my cable in and, and I've got, but PUBG, um, I first learned of PUBG when it was getting ready to come out for the console. Yep. And so I was interested. So I, I tried it out on PC and I, I maybe played it for an hour and then I got a refund. I was like, nah, this doesn't work right. I needed a video card upgrade. So I did that. Uh, but I've always been horrible on console controlling third person shooters with the, the controller. Okay. Give me a mouse and a keyboard. That's how I gamed in my early days and I kind of moved away from it. So I can't, I don't do very well with the controller. Now there's some rumors going on. The APIs are available on the Xbox for the keyboard and mouse support. 
but there's the the ex the consolers don't want that. No, because they don't want people with keyboard and mouse because you're much more effective with it. You're with much more and effective, mouse. like especially in a game like I'm thinking of Fortnite uh, or yep, that, yep. Fortnite's a good example between um, building and shooting. If yep. you're on a keyboard mouse, it's game over to for a guy on a controller because it's just it's it's way yep. less clicks. Um, yep. So, yeah, I would agree. But it would still be nice because I don't have a gaming PC. It's something I really want because I want to try these things out. PUBG on the console put such a bad taste in my mouth because it was it so was so bad when it first yeah, came out on Xbox. It still is. Um, yeah, it's still not the best. It's, it's definitely better on PC. It's amazing. Oh, way PC. better. Um, so I, I really want to kind of get a now, gaming PC so I can give these games the proper. Yeah, on PC, unfortunately, there's really bad cheat stuff going on and they're working constantly to fix that i mean i i posted a video and shared a clip on twitter once of this person who was on a hill had to been two or three thousand yards away from me and with a dp28 which is a fairly close in range weapon did a head killed me on the other side of a building and then just standing up there spraying the gun around in a circle knocked off five or six people so there are people, okay. but they're working hard with that piece. That's yeah, yeah. unfortunately a part of everything. But I just pulled up that link that you shared for the the Elite One One Thousand, and that's a great representation of it. Yeah. It is really a spectacular device. I'd love to have minimal, two of them stacked. Minimal, minimal. What what impresses me about it is the base. The base is so minimal takes up very yeah. little desktop space. You've actually got to have more space for the curve of the monitor than you do the base. Um, I would like I. I'm hooked on this size monitor. Yeah, I, I, I'm hoping HP doesn't ask for it back, but um, if not, I'm going to have to get myself one. It it would be great either them stacked, so you would have two, one on the bottom, one on the top, or sitting, you know, sitting side by side, and that would almost give you oh, a one side by side. Yeah. Now it yeah. is adjustable, so I can adjust the angle of it. Um, right well, now I've got it at such an angle because of the way this desk is, but. When you say adjust the angle, you mean so the I can tilt? grab a the tilt, yeah, the yeah, tilt, yeah, tilt this way, yeah. No, it'd be kind of cool to have those. You know, that would give you a really nice. It wouldn't be one eighty, but it would be yeah. almost like it. I mean, think from our vision standpoint, you could have it going almost in on this desk. It probably would be as wide as having three twenty-four inch monitors. Yeah. Then, right? Boom, boom, boom. And they 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 sell the monitors in such a way that you can do dual monitor setups and stuff like that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah or mouse without borders. You know, you could throw that on uh, there. There you have, go. That way, you could use oh, individual they, 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 processors. You don't yeah. need mouse without borders if you get this mouse right here. Oh yeah, talk about that because you've been this, talking about that. This on your, is the Microsoft oh Surface Precision mouse that was announced last fall alongside of the Surface Book Two in New York City. I was up there at the launch event. This thing can be paired with three different Bluetooth devices, and if you have them on a desk and they're kind of set up one, two, three, if you set it up within the software and you configure it so that Bluetooth device one is on the left, Bluetooth device two is on the middle, and Bluetooth device number three is on the right, and they can they're all running Windows ten because they and they can't be like Windows 10 S because you got to install the mouse and keyboard center from Microsoft. It's got this feature called smart switching. So you can actually, once you've paired them all, all I have to do is run to the edge of the screen next to the next device and just pause briefly and you can adjust this sensitivity and I can slide the mouse over to the next monitor to the next separate so device. <laughs> and I'm using it right now between two surface books and the HP Spectre. And it's awesome. I, the first time I used it, it takes some getting used to the mechanics of switching between screens and you adjust the sensitivity. But it, 
I mean, it's a hundred dollar mouse, but it runs three devices and it's, it's very ergonomic and I really like the feel of it, but th that's a cool device and it's got a switchable wheel so you can do smooth scroll, but there's a little button right here, right there. And you can click it and you get the notches. You can feel the notches in it. And then it's got customizable buttons on the this side for, you know, you can use them for browsing or whatever. So is it kind of a haptic scroll bumper? Is, I mean, yeah. that's a, no, that's no. A um, if you're familiar with the uh, the Surface Arc Touch mice that are, uh, that's these. So that's, that's this one right here, right? That does this. Okay. And it's got a haptic, it's got a haptic scroll bar on it. Right. It's touch, but it's haptic. You can feel the, you can't turn that off. And then it's got the left and mouse right buttons, uh, left and right mouse buttons. Well, this one, it, this button switches it between a mode that's smooth scrolling. And then it's got another one that's kind of notched. So okay. it, you can deliver, get a little bit finer control with the smooth scrolling. If you want to have that kind of control as a graphics or something like that. Rich, do they have a keyboard that goes with it? Because they do. Know. Yeah, okay. they. There's a keyboard that, that was announced at the same time, um, and that has the everybody was calling it the hidden fingerprint reader, but it actually was labeled fingerprint reader. There's a <laughs> so there was a button on the keyboard that you could touch, and it would read your fingerprint for using Windows Hello to unlock. Now that only paired with one device. Somebody made a great point when I shared this whole smart smart switching feature on Twitter, is that man, what if there was a, a keyboard that was synced to the mouse that when you switch that to that second monitor, the keyboard automatically paired with that monitor too so you could type at that keyboard. Now, Mouse Without Borders will let you do that, right? right That's a Microsoft right. Garage project. So you can use Mouse Without Borders and be able to use one mouse, one keyboard. But that would kind of be a unique feature. You know, let the mouse be the driver of what the active screen is and then pair the keyboard for active use on that. That'd be kind of slick. No, that would be, that's what I would need. Like if I was going to switch over to something like this, the keyboard would have to come with it. I, I would agree. Yeah, that's where I'm today. I'm stuck. You know, I'm I move around on all these PCs that are sitting on my desk, with the exception of the new ones where back here. I put it. I, I don't have. do it. I don't do it up there. But um, I still the the keyboard's got to go with it. So yeah, I have a keyboard from Logitech that will. I it's actually got a dial on it, so kind of like the Surface dial. And it can be programmed and stuff. It by default it scrolls and does volume, but this one can pair with two systems. It's yeah. just a push of a button, so that's kind of some of that. Yeah. And the Dell Dell has one too that we uh, that I've seen a lot in the work environment where it's two Bluetooth and one two point four USB. Oh, dongle. okay. The you dongle can get technically up to three, and it's a it's a switch in the top right corner, one two or dongle. Yep. Um, so then you could get up to three and just switch it over, and it does the mouse with it. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's so, cool. So that would be one option. I like the automatic aspect. Once you get the, the sensitivity set with that mouse, it's so easy to slide between yeah, things. Yeah, that's the part you really like is that automatic. That's the best part right there. Yeah. yeah think about it. And then, Jim, the other thing that I recently got my hands on is Microsoft sent me a Surface Book 2. Now, I've been on the original Surface Book for three years now. Great device. It's now one of my bare metal test machines. But uh, Surface Book 2 is not a tremendous change from the perspective of what it looks like because both devices are almost matches on the outside. There are some tweaks and you some very slight changes to the keyboard. The big bumps came with the inside the, the Surface Book 2. Uh, they and they built a 15 inch version instead of just a 13 and a half inch version. So uh, they come with discrete GPUs. So I've got a, there's actually the Surface Book 2 has a, a, a GTX 1050 in it. Surface Book 2 15 inch comes with a 1060 in it 
with six gig of RAM, I think, on the card. Good this, this one has two gig of RAM on the card. But I can run PUBG on this Surface Book too. Yeah. Oh, in yeah. great graphics. Yeah. So um the uh so so and then they've they've tweaked uh this the one I have is a quad it's an eight gen i7 quad core, so that's quad core. It's one terabyte solid state drive and um sixteen gig of RAM. And it's just it it's you know that's already a nice screen. It's the detachable tablet type thing, um, and uh, it's it's so far so good. I'm going to bring it to, with me to uh, Summit next week. So I'm good. bringing actually I'm bringing Surface Book and Surface Book Two to Summit with me, um, and then working on something uh, uh, might have a bit of a giveaway next week for Insider MVPs. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. Well, I'm are you familiar? To- are you familiar with the Eve Five? Uh. Uh-uh. No crowdsourced uh, Surface Pro clone. No, they they crowdsourced it with their community. So they talked about features, sets, and specs, and things like that. And there were votes, and they kind of drove the design of this device through that process. And uh, Eve is currently selling them, doing flash sales and things like that. And uh, I have a review unit that I used for about 10 hours. And so they've given me permission to give it away. So one of the 50 Windows Insider MVPs going to Summit are going to walk away with it next week. This guy right here, Rich, this guy right here. I like to mess with it before you give it away. You'll you'll be be getting – well, it's set for setup now. I blanked it out. I did the long-form right ones and zeros. But uh, so sometime next – you're going to see an email from Joe – uh, about the details. Okay. So all the insiders okay. that are registered to attend summit, uh, insider MVPs. Right. No. And, uh, be good to see you there. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. It's going to be a good fun. few yeah. days. You're great. You're great on the podcast. You're even more fun in person. So <laughs> it'll be good to see you there. Hey, before we wrap this up, uh, we talked, Mike and I talked a lot about SpaceX last week. You live in the world of space. And so talk, you, you, you got to see the Falcon heavy take off. Talk I about it. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm lucky with work being so flexible that as long as I got a laptop in front of me, I'm at work. So it was kind of funny when I knew Falcon Heavy was going to go. I live two and a half hours up the coast. It, you know, it, you go to that kind of a historic event. Right. Oh, yeah. And and I'd been itching to see him recover a booster because that's a very I'd never seen him recover a booster live with my own eyes either. And so uh, when they announced the launch date. I made my arrangements and sorted myself out. I was down at Cape Canaveral. I was actually, I had to stay. Rooms went so fast. I tried to get a room the night before just to avoid driving down early because it looked like the crowds were going to be, they they estimated over half a million people watching, about 100,000 visitors and about 500,000 locals. Well, so I stayed out by the airport the night before the launch, and my plan was get up early in the morning. I was going to go park alongside of the 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 waterway on uh, 528 that goes into Cape Canaveral. And as I got there about seven o'clock in the morning, I looked and it's like, wow, that's not that crowded. Like I was expecting it to be because I was originally going to go to Cape Canaveral national seashore. That's North of Kennedy. It's North of launch pad 39 a and 39 B. And, and this rocket was launching off of 39 a, they let people on the beach there to watch this launch, but the line was long. They closed it down early. So as I passed the five, as I was coming in to Port Canaveral and it's, I was looking at 520. I was like, there's a lot of room. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to run into Cape Canaveral and check Jetty Park. Jetty Park actually sets out on the end at the end of Cocoa Beach on the north end of Cocoa Beach. And across a small bit of water is the south end of Cape Canaveral Air Force Station. 
And so I went there. There was no big crowd. I paid my money to come in and park. And I watched from there. So I, I stayed there. Luckily, they had food. They had Wi-Fi. I was able to work for a couple hours while I was waiting for launch. And so I, my positioning had me about 14 miles from the launch pad and about six miles from the landing zone for the boosters. So as you, if you watch that day, you know that things got delayed, right? It was originally supposed to be 1.30 and then it started getting pushed. And if you're an experienced launch tracker, those pushes, it kept going and going by about halfway through that process. Most of us around there that had seen been to launches before figured it was going to scrub because that's what typically happens. If when they push max out to the end of the window, typically you're going to scrub. Well, the winds got right. They launched 15 minutes before the end of the window at four o'clock. So they launched at 345 in the afternoon. So our we didn't have much of the sound because things were just pointing in the wrong direction. But the launch came towards us in the sense that it rose and went up and over the south end of Cape Canaveral, heading out towards the southeast. And <clears throat> so we were six miles from the booster landing zone. So not only did I get to see my first booster landing, I got to watch two of them land. And it was the most spectacular thing in the world. And when you watch the SpaceX video, they did. They had one slightly ahead of the other. And you could, when it when they first fired their, because what happens with SpaceX and they're recovering the boosters is that when they separate from the, so if it's a single booster, for instance, when it separates from the second stage, it actually fires uh, thrusters that turn the engine, turn it around and then they burn the engine briefly to point it back towards Cape Canaveral. And then they flip it back around. So the engines are pointing back towards Canaveral. And then there's a burn that happens uh, in order to kind of an, an, a, a big breaking burn. And then there's the landing burn. So we actually caught sight of them overhead during the breaking burn. Um, and then the, and they were, I'm not kidding you. They were kind of in the air like this stacked. One was firing early, just slightly earlier than the other one. And those things appeared in front of us and we saw them coming down and you could, as you, I had my zoom lens on the camera and you know, that was, we got the double sonic booms from their landing. So they go pop, 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 right in sequence with each other. Each individual core would do two, uh, you know, sound barriers right. that, that yeah. would break the, the yeah, sonic wow. booms. And it was just tremendous. And what was cool about it is you're hanging around with other people who are there to do the same thing. And so that was a lot of fun. Met people from New Jersey, met people from Pennsylvania, talked space. I, it was just, it was a lot of fun. And I was prepared to come back the next morning, you know, if we had to. I had the room that night in Cocoa Beach, but the launch happened just before four. Uh, it Four hours later, I tr I left and it still took me an hour to go on. 10 minutes up the road to get to my hotel in Cocoa Beach. So there was a tremendous amount of people, a lot of enthusiasm. I mean, I walked up and down the pier and the, the whole Jetty Park area. And my next time in June is the next Falcon Heavy expected launch. This is actually going to carry a payload now, a real payload, not a not a red Tesla Roaster with a Starman in it. And um, that's planned for June. So my my plan for that one is to watch the launch from the Cape Canaveral seashore so that i'm about i think you're in you end up about nine miles from the launch pad and the pictures are just awesome of that spot so we'll give it a shot it's no, cool stuff jealous. you know jealous. think about you know you know think about um you know what elon musk did there you know they lost the center booster it didn't it only fired one engine so it landed at 300 miles an hour and kind of yeah um, I, I don't know if it was propellant or if engines failed 
they igniter that's what it was that's it was igniter was. They, they needed something ignite. to ignite they needed, it. Yeah. they needed the ignition source to start it to fire right. and so but think about you know people ask why is he launching a car well, look at the reaction. You know what? Look at the videos. Look at what he had live video of that thing circling the earth. Brilliant. I mean, just brilliant. The just guy brilliant. knows how to kind of do that stuff. I We it were in two weeks ago. You heard it. But I, we, I've kind of called it a rocket concert because it's this weird combination of rock music and fans and space. Yep. And uh, it's, it's a very really- eclectic group. That no. follows what he does. I wish they had launched rockets out of uh, maybe maybe like uh, Lincoln, Nebraska would be kind of nice, Mike. We could, we could just watch them. <laughs> it convenient for us. Now, yeah. they are talking about Texas. Right. They have a launch facility there. They did yeah. a lot of testing. They're right they near Brownsville, I think. Or yep. They like test. That, yeah. the, they called it Grasshopper at the time was their test right. device for yeah. landing. Yeah. You can go on YouTube and there's every single launch and recovery that was recorded. Yep. They they play them back to back. So all the grasshoppers, yep. all the uh, what was the ones after grasshopper? Uh, anyways, there's they've got them all. And so if you want to go, I watched them. I got super into this right after watching Falcon Heavy, <laughs> and I went and watched everything. And well, I tell you what, if you ever get the chance, come down to Florida and and SpaceX and ULA, which are the two main launch authorities right now here until NASA starts launching the space launch system or starts that again. Um, ULA is extremely reliable for launch. Very rarely do they miss a launch, although they will. But And SpaceX, SpaceX, nine times out of 10, or, unless there's a, an issue or a weather issue, they go when they say they're going to go. Yeah. So if you have the opportunity, you have a few days around it, you can come down and check things out. And Kennedy Space Center is a great place to visit. They got Atlantis on display there. They took one of the boosters from the Falcon Heavy last week, and they had it right in front of the Atlantis building on its carrier. So they instead of taking it straight to the SpaceX hangar, they parked it on Kennedy Space Visitor Center so people could check it out. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, my brother's Dan is down in Orlando now. So oh, very he just good. Built a house down there, oh, so I should probably go stay with him and probably go visit and see these launches uh, from Orlando. Work. No, yeah, pretty cool. Uyghur, maybe a road trip, you and me. <laughs> it's a long road trip. <laughs> it is Come a long down. I think it would be fun, but we I don't want to drive. You're right. You're right. Although I'm I am liking flying less and less these days. I, really? I just came back from DC and it's a nonstop from DC to Omaha. Mm-hmm. And typically there's nobody on that plane and it was packed. And uh, a lot of folks were coming back from the Billy Graham funeral, and there was a lot of stuff going on in the D.C. area and a bunch of conferences going on. And it was just, it was horrible. I sat, I had to kind of sit like this, you know, I was on the end seat and my back started hurting after about an hour and a half. And I, sometimes I'm like, I'm done with flying. Well, (laughs) hey, uh, I'll remind folks, if you're listening live, stay around. uh, Mike and I in the post show do some crypto conversation. Rich, we want to thank you for coming on. It's always good to catch up. With yep. you, we started thinking about this a month or so ago and started planning the right perfect time. And I think this was the perfect time to kind of do yeah. it before uh, we go out to Summit. There'll be some things that are announced and some things that we will find out there, some NDA, some not. And uh, but, but a good opportunity is people are thinking about the month-long window of getting ready to upgrade yep. to this most recent version. I think this is good. It's always good to have you on the podcast. Thanks for keep appreciate it. keep saying yes. Hang around for just a second, uh, yep. and, and then Mike and I will jump into the post show with a little bit of crypto all conversation. Right. Don't forget that you can get all that crypto conversation if that's what you like. And some of you have said to me, 
uh, hey, Jim, we really like the crypto stuff. And some have said they don't. And that's okay. That's why we've moved it to the post show. Uh, we ask, uh, we, we're doing a little bit with Patreon there, just kind of a little value. And so for as little as a dollar a month, you can head out to the averageguy.tv slash support, get signed up for that. Many of you have done that, and I appreciate your support of that. I don't do it to make money. It's just a way of kind of another way for me to deliver that uh, to you and a great way to build our support base, those of you who have done that. By the way, if and we'll, we'll say this, but if you're getting into crypto and you're getting into Burst, I have set up a really easy way for me to help you. I kind of have an averageguy.tv faucet, and everybody knows you need a Burst faucet to get going. So We've got all that available for you. I got some great ways to get it done. Mike and I talk about it in the post show. TheAverageGuy.tv slash support. Get signed up for as little as a dollar. Don't forget, you can contact me, Jim, at TheAverageGuy.tv. You can always follow me on Twitter, at Jay Collison. I always appreciate your emails. Always appreciate your feedback. That is awesome. If you haven't joined the Facebook group yet, you should do that. Facebook.com slash groups, then slash TheAverageGuy. That will get you there as well. A reminder that the AverageGuy.tv platform, both media and web hosting, powered by Maple Grove Partners. I just didn't see Christian. I was in D.C. He was in Seattle. Uh, we didn't get that done. But uh, the AverageGuy.tv platform, of course, web and media hosting, powered by Maple Grove Partners. Get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people that you know and trust. You know that's Christian. For more information, head out to MapleGrovePartners.com. His plans start as inexpensive as $10 a month. Don't forget, you can listen to Home Gadget, Home Gadget Geeks on the Android or iPhone app. Boy, the beer is really starting to settle in. If you, if you like to listen to the live recording or even the uh, the recorded ones, you can get that on our app. Of course, uh, sponsored by LastPass. I've been slowly moving all my authenticators into LastPass because it'll back them up to the cloud, which is pretty cool. So that way, if I need, if something goes wrong with my phone, I've got those authentication pieces backed up in LastPass, a great way to do it. By the way, that was someone, someone in the chat room told me to do that. So I didn't know that was available. And they're like, hey, do you know you can back up your authenticator stuff in LastPass? And I'm like, sweet. So head out to lastpass.com and, uh, and get that downloaded if you haven't done that yet. We appreciate LastPass for their sponsorship of the show. T-shirts are still available. We never took them down, even though I said I was going to. TheAverageGuy.tv slash shirt if you want to get those. I can't guarantee they'll be around too much longer but they are out there for now. And then I have been getting back on the newsletter. So if you want to do that as well, head out to theaverageguy.tv slash newsletter. There's a sign up there. There's actually some old versions of the newsletter there. You don't, don't read those. They're too old. But get signed up for the newsletter and I will let you know what's coming up. Next week, we are off. So no show, Mike. You're off the hook next week. Again? I feel yeah, like I we're know. not, you know. I know. Well, Rich and I are going to be goofing around in Seattle. Yeah, I'm jealous. Week. I'm very so, jealous. Yeah, we're going to be goofing around. So... I'll actually be on a plane during the time I'm dry out of that, that uh, home gadget geeks is going on. So, but then we should be pretty clear as we get to, as we go out, Edward Winnegar's coming back, Aaron's coming back. We got a whole bunch of great stuff uh, lined up for you for the spring. Mike and I, you, we have some shows ahead for you. We're going to cover some news and tech stuff. We kind of tried out this different format with 345 and we, I think we really liked the new I format. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. So, Join us live. Join us on the recorded version. We appreciate you guys doing that. But we are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central Noon Eastern, out here at theaverageguy.tv slash live. If you're listening live, stay around for the post show. Talk a little crypto. With that, we'll say goodnight, everybody.